Chapter One of Wolfbane by Frederick Pohl and Cyril M. Cornbluth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dale Grothman. Appallingly, the Earth and the Moon had been kidnapped from the solar system. But who were the kidnappers? And what ransom did they want? Wolfbane by Frederick Pohl and C. M. Cornbluth. Chapter One Rogat Germain, banker of Wheeling, West Virginia, a citizen, woke gently from a citizen's dreamless sleep. It was the third hour rising time, the time proper to a day of exceptional opportunity to appreciate. Citizen Germain dressed himself in the clothes proper for the appreciation of great works such as viewing the empire state ruins against storm clouds from a small boat or walking in silent single file across the remaining course of the golden gate bridge or as today one hoped witnessing the recreation of the sun germain with difficulty regained a citizen's necessary calm one was tempted to meditate on improper things would the sun be recreated what if it were not he put his mind to his dress first of all he put on an old and storied bracelet a veritable identity bracelet of heavy silver links and a plate which was inscribed pfc joe hartman korea 1953 his fellow jewelry appreciators would have envied him that bracelet if they had been capable of such an emotion as envy no other id bracelet as much as two hundred and fifty years old was known to exist in wheeling his finest shirt and pair of light pants went next to his skin and over them he wore a loose parka whose seams had been carefully weakened when the sun was recreated every five years or so it was the custom to remove the parka gravely and rend it with the prescribed graceful gestures but not so drastically that it could not be stitched together again hence the weakened seams this was he counted the forty-first day on which he and all of wheeling had donned the appropriate sun recreation clothing it was the forty-first day on which the sun no longer white no longer blazing yellow no longer even bright red had risen and displayed a color that was darker maroon and always darker it had thought citizen germain never grown so dark and so cold in all his life perhaps it was an occasion for special viewing for surely it would never come again this opportunity to see the old sun so near to death one hoped gravely citizen germain completed his dressing thinking only of the act of dressing itself it was by no means his specialty but he considered when it was done that he had done it well in the traditional flowing gestures with no flailing at all times balanced lightly on the ball of the foot it was all the more perfectly consummated because no one saw it but himself he woke his wife gently by placing the palm of his hand on her forehead as she lay neatly in the prescribed fashion on the woman's third of the bed the warmth of his hand gradually penetrated the layers of sleep her eyes demurely opened citizeness germain he greeted her making the assurance of identity sign with his left hand citizen germain she said with the assurance of identity inclination of the head which was prescribed when the hands were covered 
he retired to his tiny study it was the time appropriate to meditation on the properties of connectivity citizen germain was skilled in meditation even for a banker it was a grace in which he schooled himself since earliest childhood citizen germain his young face composed his slim body erect as he sat but in no way tense or straining successfully blanked out one after another all of the external sounds and sights and feelings that interfered with proper meditation his mind was very nearly vacant except for one central problem connectivity over his head and behind out of sight the cold air of the room seemed to thicken and form a call it a blob a blob of air there was a name for these blobs of air they had been seen before they were a known fact of existence in wheeling and in all the world they came they hovered and they went away sometimes not alone if someone had been in the room with citizen germain to look at it he would have seen a distortion a twisting of what was behind the blob like a flawed glass a lens like an eye and they were called I Germain meditated the blob of air grew and slowly moved a vagrant current that spun out from it caught a fragment of paper and whirled it to the floor Germain stirred the blob retreated Germain all unaware disciplined his thoughts to disregard the interruption to return to the central problem of connectivity the blob hovered from the other room his wife's small thrice repeated throat clearing signaled to him that she was dressed germain got up to go to her his mind returned to the world and the overhead eye spun restlessly and disappeared some miles east of wheeling glenn tropile of a class which found it wisest to give itself no special name and which had devoted much time and thought to shaking the unwelcome name it had been given awoke on the couch of his apartment he sat up shivering it was cold the damned sun was still bloody dark outside the window and the apartment was soggy and chilled he had kicked off the blankets in his sleep why couldn't he learn to sleep quietly like anybody else lacking a robe he clutched the blankets around him got up and walked to the unglassed window it was not unusual for glenn tropile to wake up on his couch this happened because gala tropile had a temper and was inclined to exile him from her bed after a quarrel and the operative factor he knew he always had the advantage over her for the whole day following the night's exile therefore the quarrel was worth it an advantage was by definition worth anything you paid for it or else it was no advantage he could hear her moving about in one of the other rooms and cocked an ear satisfied she wasn't waking him therefore she was about to make amends a little itch in his spine or his brain it was not a physical itch so he couldn't locate it he could only be sure it was there stopped troubling him momentarily he was winning a contest it was glenn tropile's nature to win contests and his nature to create them gala tropile young dark attractive with a haunted look came in tentatively carrying coffee from some secret hoard of hers glenn tropile affected not to notice he stared coldly at the cold landscape the sea white with thin ice was nearly out of sight so far had it retreated as the little sun waned glenn ah good glenn where was the proper mode of first greeting one's husband where was the prescribed throat clearing upon entering a room 
Assiduously, he had untaught her the meticulous ritual of manners that they had all been brought up to know, and it was the greatest of his many victories over her that sometimes, now, she was the aggressor. She would be the first to depart from the formal behavior prescribed for citizens. Depravity! Perversion! Sometimes they would touch each other at times which were not the appropriate coming-together times. Gala sat on her husband's lap in the late evening, perhaps, or Tropile kissed her awake in the morning. Sometimes he would force her to let him watch her dress. No, not now, for the cold of the waning sun made that sort of frolic unattractive. But she had permitted it before, and such was his mastery over her that he knew she would permit it again, when the sun was recreated. If, a thought came to him, if the sun was recreated. He turned away from the cold outside and looked at his wife. Good morning, darling. She was contrite. He demanded jarringly, Is it? Deliberately he stretched. Deliberately he yawned. Deliberately he scratched his chest. Every movement was ugly. Galatropile quivered and said nothing. Tropile flung himself on the better of the two chairs, one hairy leg protruding from under the wrapped blanket. His wife was on her best behavior, in his unique terms. She didn't avert her eyes. "'What have you got there?' he asked. "'Coffee?' "'Yes, dear. I thought. Where'd you get it?' The haunted eyes looked away. Still better, thought Glenn Tropile, more satisfied than usual. She's been ransacking the old warehouse again. It was a trick he had taught her, and like all of the illicit tricks she had learned from him, a handy weapon when he chose to use it. It was not prescribed that a citizen should rummage through old places. A citizen did his work, whatever that work might be, banker, baker, or furniture repairman. He received what rewards were his due for the work he did. A citizen never took anything that was not his due, not even if it lay abandoned and rotting. It was one of the differences between Glenn Tropile and the people he moved among. I've got it made, he exulted. It was what I needed to clinch my victory over her. He spoke. I need you more than I need coffee, Gala. She looked up, troubled. What would I do, he demanded, if a beam fell on you one day while you were scrambling through the fancy groceries? How can you take such chances? Don't you know what you mean to me? She sniffed a couple of times. She said brokenly, Darling, about last night, I'm sorry. And miserable held out the cup. He took it and set it down. He took her hand and looked at her and kissed it lingeringly. He felt her tremble. Then she gave him a wild, adoring look and flung herself into his arms. A new dominance cycle was begun at the moment he returned her frantic kisses. Glenn knew and Gala knew that he had over her an edge, an advantage, the weather gauge, initiative of fire, percentage, the can't-lose lack of tension. Call it anything but it was life itself to such as Glenn Tropile. He knew, and she knew, that having the advantage he would press it, and she would yield, on and on, in a rising spiral. He did it because it was his life, the attaining of an advantage over any one he might encounter, because he was, unwelcomely but justly, called a son of the wolf. End of chapter 1